All right. Well, welcome to another episode of Divine. Here we are. Um, I am Nick. I run a digital MC out of Melbourne, and as always, joined by Tomo. G'day, Tomo. Hi, everyone. As Nick said, my name's Tom. I'm a branding-focused designer operating out of Melbourne also. Uh, today, we're joined by a very special guest, Brent. And, uh, hey, Bre- Brenty boy. <laughs> hey. And Brent's, Brent's with Nick. Where, where are both of you right now? We are actually at, uh, in Munich at Oktoberfest. Well, we're not actually at Oktoberfest. Not anymore. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Brent's still rocking the Lederhausen, but we're, um, yeah, we're, we're not in their beer hall right now. But yeah, Oktoberfest, that's been fun the past couple of days. What, what time is Huge it for both fun. of you there? Um, it is 10.30 in the morning, and it's what, 6pm for you guys, I think? 6.30, yeah. 6.30, yeah, nice. Um, yeah, so anyway, so joined by Brent. So Brent's the uh, author of two amazing marketing books, and um, we'll put some links into the description for, uh, for them, or into the, the notes. Um, the most recent one, um, Beyond the Booth, which is all about trade show marketing and the tiny tweaks that you can do to sort of uh, make a big difference to your sales. So thanks a lot for coming along, Brent. And, yeah, um, thanks so much for joining us. We have a sort of international, international uh, podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> we need to keep this up, I think. I think so. You're going to have to keep traveling, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what <a> <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for having me here, guys. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Um, so today we're going to chat about, um, the, well, the topic is you know, how to market your professional expertise. Um, and but I guess yeah. Before we get into that, um, Tom, what's uh, what have you been up to in Melbourne well, in the past week? In the past week, and I'm going to limit this to one thing. Um, yeah, good job. So, one thing only. So the the highlight of the last week has been recording a bunch of music um, nice. for for one of the bands I play in. Um, so yeah, just just getting a single very close to completion. Um, Thought it'd be done in two sessions, and it ended up taking about seven. So it'll be be nice to have that track out there, and um, yeah. Cool, man. Exciting. How about you, Nick? What's uh, your last week looked like? I guess so. Obviously, it's just got to be Oktoberfest. Um, the blur that is Oktoberfest. Lots of dancing and singing on tables, and or dan- singing and dancing <laughs> on tables. Um, and yeah, obviously meeting Brent over here, which has been great. Um, yeah, so that, that's probably about it, really, for me. I mean, work's been good as well. I'm just keeping on top of things, really, keeping the wheels in motion. Yeah. How about yourself, Brent? What's you been? What have you been doing? Well, <laughs> despite what the later Hosen would tell you, uh, I flew here explicitly to see you, Nick. <laughs> um, and uh, just in case there's anyone from the tax office listening. <laughs> So I've been uh, getting a lot of work done and uh, networking a lot and uh, had a lot of good business meetings um, and I'm about to go to Switzerland to do something similar there and uh, then on to Vietnam to continue this uh, this important business trip that I'm on right now. <laughs> Are you going all, all through it throughout Vietnam or anywhere in particular? No, no, it's just sort of a decompression stop. You know how you go scuba diving and they make you stop at a certain level just to sort of decompress? <laughs> I reckon you need that sort of thing when you're traveling long distances. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. <laughs> you just need like three or four days of, I don't know, day spas and massages. And I hear there's this place over there where you can get your hair washed and it costs like $2. And that's like the best thing about getting your hair cut. Just getting the hair washed. Getting- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So uh, there's there's a little bit of that in our future, and I'm travelling with my lovely partner Cassie, who is uh, you know a, a, an intre- intrepid traveller at uh, you know at any time, 
Uh, and goodness, it's the police. They found us. <laughs> they found us. <laughs> <laughs> you, you hear that in the background. Um, where we're staying at the moment is um, right near Königsplatz in, in Munich. Um, and it's this beautiful central place just across the, the way from the old town. You've got it's all awesome. the beer halls out there. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, so it's a lovely city. And are you both attending the festival today? Not today. No, no. I'm off to Neuschwanstein today. Okay. And then uh, driving, even though it's in the opposite direction, driving to Switzerland afterwards. Wow. Sounds, sounds terrible. Bit of uh, autobahn action. Hard, hard yeah. <laughs> Someone's got to do the work. Yeah. So um, let's, let's jump into it maybe um, with this question for you, Brent, uh, which is what is the difference between marketing a product, marketing yourself as a service provider and marketing yourself as an expert? That super big question. I really like that. <laughs> okay, so... How um, long you got, Tom? going back a couple of years i used to be um, what's called a direct response copywriter so if you've ever seen one of those uh, infomercials that sort of marketing is the kind of stuff that i used to write don't hold it against me (laughs) Um, but um you know that sort of pitchy um you know clickbait sort of Uh stuff and uh, i used to have to write it for a bunch of different types of people some people had products some people had services and some people were like the go-to experts in their industry so one of my clients way back in the day used to be a guy by the name of steve mcknight steve mcknight up until recently was the best-selling author in australia um on any non-fiction book um I'm sure that you that it discounts the Bible out there. I'm sure that's probably outsold him. But um, Steve McKnight's the best-selling author of this great book called From Zero to 130 Properties in Three and a Half Years. And what I found when I was working with all of these different clients is some of the strategies that you'd use to market someone who was an expert were very different from the strategies that you would use to market someone who was a service provider and marketing someone who was a, a, a product, I suppose, manufacturer or provider. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're selling a product, what you're doing is you're selling the item. And when you're selling a service, what you're doing is you're selling the input or the thing that you're actually doing. And when you're selling expertise, you're selling an insight. Um, it's a bit of knowledge that you have or a bit of you know something that you can use to take someone on a journey of self-discovery or self-improvement. Mm-hmm. You're helping them to become better, essentially. Cool. So um, the difference between sort of a product, a service, and the expertise is, let's use a gardening example. A product would be something like a lawnmower, something that you actually push around or uh-huh. ride on. A service would be something like Jim's Mowing, Something that actually, you know, that someone that actually pushes the lawnmower for you. An expert in that industry would be someone like a greenskeeper or a horticulturalist, someone who can tell you what you need to do to improve the health of your lawn. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're three entirely different conversations. So, um, a great example of a, a, a marketing piece that uh, was put together for Rolls Royce way back in the day was along the lines of traveling at 55 miles an hour on the highway, the loudest noise that you can hear in your new your new Rolls Royce is the ticking of the electric clock. <laughs> um, 
that's going to be very different from um, you know the clickbaity sort of headlines that you would say, "Are you making these mistakes with your lawn mowing, uh, or are you not getting the right results from your lawn mowing service?" Um, versus an expertise style um, pitch, which which would be along the lines of, um, you know, this is the outcome that you want to do achieve, or um, find out how you can actually go from being an X to a Y. Um, so one of the clients that Nick and I work on together is a uh, organization called Thought Leaders, yep. and they work with a lot of experts, and they help those people to develop their own expertise. And their marketing is obviously very different from a gym's mowing, you know, sort of promo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So would you say that when you're sort of thinking about marketing sort of holistically, you want to <clears throat> straight away figure out where you fit in in those sort of three spots, and then yeah. use that as like a guiding. Absolutely, absolutely. And you need to work out whether or not you're selling a product, service, or expertise. Um, and that's really important when it uh, comes to um, tech or design businesses. Right. Because a lot of tech people, um, they're, they're fundamentally clever people. Um, and they're selling their own expertise, mm-hmm. but they're selling it as a service. Right, right, right. And they're wondering why they can't charge more than $200 an hour or $300 an hour. And it's because they're fundamentally selling themselves as a service. Um, So when you're selling yourself as a service in the tech world, Mm -hmm. um, you end up competing with all of the other consultants and all of the other service providers. What happens when you sell yourself as an expert is you don't actually do the delivery yourself. You're just selling the drawing on the whiteboard, the Mm -hmm. strategy, the let's draw a flow chart or let's let's spec this out. and that's sort of, I guess, inherently more scalable as well, right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It means that you probably need to be involved in the process throughout, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a lot harder for you to subcontract a lot of that work out. Right. Um, but what it means is that you can be involved in just that tip of the spear stuff. Yeah. And it means that you don't need to actually show up and you know deliver the outcome that people are looking for. You need you don't need to gyms mowing their lawns. Mm-hmm. You can just say, um, I'm the horticulturalist here, and let me show you how to make your greens yeah, okay. greener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, do you find, what, what are sort of like the, the best ways to go from, or the, yeah, the best ways of going from doing that sort of service and delivery versus selling that expertise? And what, what's, what does that journey look like? I think one of the really big things that you need to do is to start niching. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are, one of the big mistakes that I see a lot of people making in this industry is that they want to serve as many different clients as possible yep. because it's a scary thing to go out and say, I only do, I only do this tiny little niche out there. Yeah. Mm. Saying no to a lot, big part of the market. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that feels like, um, you are saying no more, uh, no to more people than you're saying yes to. And yep. it does feel like it's going to be a really risky thing mm. to go. No, I, I don't deal with anyone that's not, that doesn't fit this tiny little, little bucket here. Um, but what happens when you start niching like that is that um, you actually find that you get better cut through. Mm-hmm. There was a story a little while ago about this company that niched down into, well, they were a, a corporate photographer, and they niched down into product photography. And then they niched down further into photography for bottles. Mm-hmm. And they started to just take photos of product bottles. Mm-hmm. And then uh, eventually what happened was they sort of you know, owned that market. Yeah, so what did they yeah, do yeah. after that? Well, they, they opened a second niche there, which was photography for cans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it, so but it's, niching it's is, that it's, it sounds it's like it's scary, uh, but what happens is that you end up resonating with people. You know, people go, oh, I know exactly what you're about. I know exactly how I can hire you, and I know exactly um, 
you know, who I can refer you on to. Um, if you've got, if you don't have that sort of niching, it's really hard for people to work out where you fit, yeah, how yeah. to buy you, and how to refer you on to p- other people. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. What were we going to say, Tom? Oh, just um, yeah, something that sprung to mind as as you were um, talking through that, mm-hmm. Brent, is it's it's almost like harder to um, niche too far than than to not entertain this process at all, like. Yes. Starting with like, oh, so I take photos for food and beverage industry. And initially it's like, oh, yes. that's, that's so niche. That cuts out all these people. It's like, well, let's talk about food and beverage for a moment. How diverse <laughs> that could be. Um, I think of a guy who's done it really well in Melbourne, actually. Um, he designs beer cans. Um, and right. he's, he's known in the market as the guy who you know, designs all these beer cans. And also, he just gets to drink awesome beer all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Wait for the inspiration to hit. (laughs) Yeah. And you don't have to just um, niche down on market either. You can niche down on um, specific types of people as well. So I had a client a little while ago who ran um, retreats over in Bali. Mm -hmm. And those retreats were predominantly you know, uh, visited by women. Right. And we went through a whole process of who are these women that are actually coming along? And she, she said, well, they're typically managers, but they're not all managers. And they're typically these sort of people. What we've eventually found was that a large portion of these people had milestone birthdays coming up. Yeah. So when uh, you run marketing or when, when you yeah, run ads okay. on something like Facebook, you can be yeah. really hyper-targeted yeah. with your ads. So we were able to target people. 49-year-olds, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so the ideal one was uh, a 29-year-old whose birthday was coming up in three months' time who was based in Australia or New Zealand or the Netherlands or Spain, yeah. uh, female, worked in management, and so on and so forth. And all of a sudden, you've taken this massive market down to a couple of thousand people but those people are rabid fans yeah, of what you yeah. want or what you do <laughs> that's good cool so so really the the direct insight or the, the clear insight there is to to compete in a, a super noisy market it's to yeah to yeah the, the smaller your niche is the louder you get yeah would you ever be worried about going too niche or, or is that sort of i think like tom you were alluding to that before that it's sort of it's better to think more niche and more niche and more niche because people don't tend to think niche yeah. enough. Yeah. I said niche too many times in that sentence. <laughs> Say it again. One more time. And yeah, so is there any, or is there a red flag sometimes when you think, oh, okay, we've gone too niche now? No, you'll, you'll be able to tell by your market feedback. Yeah. Um, the book that I released recently, mm-hmm. Beyond the Booth. Mm-hmm. So um, that was one that I went, hmm, all right. I'm getting a lot of good feedback from people that are in the trade show market. Right. Um, and I put this book together and I, I go, this should work. I think it should work based on the feedback that I'm getting. Mm-hmm. But let's see what happens. And as soon as it was out there, uh, people went, I, I know exactly what to do with this book. I know exactly who to share it with. I know exactly right, you know, right. who, I sh- who should be buying this stuff. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. some people really resonated with it and some people didn't. There's been other times when I've gone out there and I've gone really niche and I've done um, uh, conversion optimization for e-commerce websites, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I do very well, but um, it's something that doesn't resonate very well with the marketplace. Right. Um, 
So it's not a question in that particular uh, issue or that, that particular scenario of whether or not I was too niche. I just didn't quite have the right fit between the right people, the right product and the right promo. Yeah. Um, I was going to the market, uh, going to the right sort of people with the wrong sort of product. Mm-hmm. and the wrong sort of promotional strategy yeah. uh, versus the stuff that I'm doing recently with Beyond the Booth, that's worked really well. Right. Now, one of the questions or one of the issues that people worry about is whether or not um, if you've got a whole bunch of different niched products out there that you're testing out in the marketplace, whether or not they're going to you know, make your marketing look messy make it you know um, blur the lines between hang on this this person takes photos of cans but also does wedding photography yeah, hang on yeah. where does this person actually fit uh-huh. I don't think people pay that much attention okay. I think that um, if you're going to one person and saying hey you look like you need photos of bottles mm-hmm. uh, and going to another person and saying hey you look like you need um, wedding photography and you've got a different brochure or a different white paper or a different landing page that actually addresses that particular issue, I don't think people That's worry hard. too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah interesting. And it, does that does that depend on the um, the marketing material that's being presented being niche though? Like in the case that you're providing, it's like here's this brochure. Which if this is all you looked at, in in if this was the only marketing yep. collateral that you encountered, then your impression would be that I'm a specialist and that I'm the column that I'm dedicated is Yeah, is absolutely. This one. Um, so, yeah, you, it's nice to have quarantine marketing collateral that you can... This is the purpose designed, niche down, specifically speaking to you there, Tom, uh, about this particular issue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because the better we speak to that individual customer, uh, the more know? we resonate, or the more our marketing resonates with that mm-hmm. particular person, and they're more likely to buy from us. Um, and this is one of the weird things where being a digital marketing guy, I'm actually liking non-digital marketing better and better. Yeah, right. So you got a website, and the website, you go, oh goodness, what should I do with this? I need to make it visible and attractive and relevant to everyone who visits it. Maybe you don't. Maybe you only need to make uh, a little bit of it visible and relevant and attractive to certain people and another bit of it visible, relevant and attractive to other people. And a whole bunch of it sits behind the scenes as white papers and PDFs and so forth that you only send out in specific circumstances. I reckon that as a, as a marketing strategy can be really powerful and not just because it's, it's targeted, but also because you can have engaging conversations around this stuff that sits in the back end. Right. So one of the clients that Nick and I share um, does a lot of LinkedIn marketing and is very generous with their LinkedIn marketing and is able to approach people on LinkedIn and say, Tom, um, I see that you're in the design industry um, and I've got this marketing your professional design skills um, course over here. Um, would you like to see the, the brochure for it? Or would you like the book that I've written about it? Or whatever it is. And you can be really generous with giving these little bonus things mm-hmm. out uh, mm-hmm. to people. Um, and obviously you want to make sure that they get as much of those pieces of collateral as you possibly can get into their hands to make a buying decision. Uh, but it means that you're having this one-on-one conversation that cuts through um, and you're more likely to get your foot in the door into some of these bigger companies that you otherwise might not ever get to your website. Is it almost as though you're you're handing handing them the the, the blueprint or like yeah. the roadmap to the sale? It's like here's the whole map, and if you follow through all of these materials, then you'll yeah, probably yeah, end up essentially, at the same point. yeah, essentially, um, yeah. 
uh, and I get the feeling that there's going to be people that are listening into that question going, um, aren't you giving away too much? Aren't you giving away all of your little secrets yeah. and techniques and tactics? Well, there's only, as the expert or as the service provider, there's only ever so much that you can fit into a, let's say, 12-page white paper mm-hmm. or a 10-page uh, blueprint or a 200-page book. You're always going to have so much more um, insight or expertise or so much more depth that you can go into beyond what you've chatted about in that 10-minute podcast or that 10-page that, uh, uh, white paper. Um, so I don't think that you can ever really give away too much. Actually, there was a guy by the name of John uh, John Reese. John Reese used to run income.com. And at one point, John Reese had this blog. It's one of the most popular marketing blogs out there. And he used to write regularly onto it. Um, after writing for a year or two years into this blog, he created this product, which was literally just the blog posts put into a PDF. Mm-hmm. And he sold it for $500 or something like that. Right. Uh, and it was one of his best-selling products. I think it was one of the first uh, digital marketing products that hit a million-dollar day. Yeah. Um, whatever the case, people were happy to buy the stuff that was wow. already out there, yeah, even yeah. though they'd already seen it. Yeah. Um, they just wanted it in the, in the right format. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. I recently... Um, went through a, a business boot camp and as I'm going through the modules it's like I reflected upon the purchasing decision that I made and it was essentially I've I've made this purchase for the way that particular content is structured all of that content is publicly available but it's it's almost the sequence um of of this material and I guess the same can mm. be said for a lot of education programs you're paying for the sequence that like yeah. information yeah, yeah. is released in because if if you hit hit step 10 at the start it's like i'm out i can't handle this it's concept. very different that buying that expertise but if isn't it's it? like one two yeah. three four yeah hmm. but then at the end it's like damn yeah have the roadmap well um yeah, go on, Tom. So, um, what... You guys oh, are far too me. polite. <laughs> uh, I was going to ask, what are some um, strategies or what, what, are, what are some ways to decide a niche One of the things that on? I like to do is I like to get a big piece of paper and I draw a triangle, an upside-down triangle, and a little little pyramid that's got the pointy bit at the bottom of the page and the, the big bit at the top of the page. <laughs> And then I draw a bunch of lines across it so that you've got different layers down that pyramid, that upside-down pyramid. And at the top, I start with, who is the market? So at the top of that, I might say, I'm targeting, for my Balinese yoga retreat, I'm targeting women. All right. And then if you've ever done, um, what's it called, Uh, improv comedy, you'll know the uh, yes and So yes and is one of the things that you use in improv to keep a joke running. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yes and is a great way of niching things down. So for example, uh, if we started with women, we could then niche down from that to single women. Uh, Women who are single, who are, yes and, masters educated. 
Yes, and? Yes, and. <laughs> um, they, they read certain books. They read books on self-empowerment, for example. Yes, and they're aged 29 and 39. Yes, and they live in certain more affluent postcodes. And this would be a way of yes-anding your way to a Facebook marketing campaign <laughs> that targets specific types of people. Um, another one that you might do is uh, I work with medium-sized businesses on their design uh, and branding projects. Yes, and they're in the finance industry. Yes, and they're specifically in the banking industry. Yes, and um, I work with the middle-level managers in the marketing department. Yes, and they're typically male. Yes, and they typically have a master's in communications. Um, so you can use this yes, and strategy for working out an exact market that you should be targeting. Yeah, yeah very much so. Very much. And so would you be doing sort of these exercises and creating a few different niches and testing them out or we, would you go into one predominantly or how would you... Yeah, certainly you want to test them out. And one of the ways that you can sort of pre-test one of these markets mm -hmm. is to see how it relates back to the clients that you've worked with previously. Right. So one of the, the biggest marketing scandals of our recent times has been the Cambridge Analytica scandal. Mm -hmm. And it was the scandal that got Donald Trump elected. Yeah. And the reason why Cambridge Analytica's data was so effective was because it gave us these profiles on who's a good voter for us or who's a, who's a likely... I'm going to say putz, a chumper, someone that we can influence, uh, and who's someone that we're unlikely to be able to influence. Um, so uh, in our context, yep. we might look at our LinkedIn or our Facebook and look up our old, uh, our old clients and do a little bit of stalking and say, all right, who are the people that are likely to buy or have bought from us in the past? And who are the people that are unlikely to buy or haven't bought from us in the past? Mm -hmm. And what are some of their profiles and traits? Um, and how well do they match the niche that we've, we've developed inside our little upside-down pyramid here? Um, and if you're looking at your, your upside-down pyramid, you're going, all oh, right, that kind of reflects these sorts of clients over here more than those sort of clients. And those ones have bought a lot of stuff and these clients haven't. Um, then it's probably a good sign. After that, probably the next thing that you can do is actually go out there into a live marketplace and start having conversations with these people mm -hmm. that you haven't had conversations with before um and the reality is uh you're going to find out very quickly by the number of acceptances and rejections that you get uh, whether or not your marketing's working yeah. um and you're probably because you've actually spoken with these people before because you've had these types of clients before you're probably going to have the same sorts of conversations that you've had 10 20 times over uh, so it's going to be a nice easy conversation for you to have with these people mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, you'll find out very quickly, probably within a week or two, you know, probably after speaking with a dozen or two uh, different clients out there, whether or not your marketing's likely to work. Hmm. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah, cool. So there almost has to be that, that initial test before doubling down yeah, on, absolutely. A, on marketing efforts. You kind of I like testing, to go out to, the there's, a, there's a bunch of people that only like to dip the toe into the market with marketing, um, which is a good strategy. Uh, it's much better than waiting until all, the, all of your marketing's developed and then uh, going out yeah. with your full marketing campaign uh, because it's a much more agile strategy. It's a faster strategy and you get a lot of feedback a lot sooner. Um, but I also like to yeah. give it the, the maximum chances of success. Yeah. So... Um, an analogy here might be 
planting one or two seeds versus throwing a, or tossing a handful of seeds into a field and seeing if they grow. Um, obviously, I like to, to go and toss a whole bunch of seeds willy-nilly everywhere, see if they actually grow in the field, and then go, all right, okay, probably best if we properly sow these seeds in the future. Um Versus going out and planting one or two, one or two seeds and hoping that they work, maybe they won't work. Maybe they will. Um, if you've only got two chances of seeing a, a client come in, then your chances of actually seeing a successful sale are fairly low. Yeah. Versus if you go out to a hundred people or or a dozen people, um, they're much much higher. So the more people that you can test at that initial stage with, um, the better. Do you use um social? advertising or LinkedIn advertising to help with that sort of testing as well and using the analytics from those and the responses and yeah. whatnot to... So there's a line that I like to draw, which is the, um, am I dealing with companies or am I dealing with consumers? Right. Um, and sometimes it's a little blurry because mm-hmm. if you're dealing with small businesses, sometimes you're dealing with consumers. Mm-hmm. So um, Tom, when he bought the, the program that he was talking about, the boot camp that he was talking about, mm-hmm. it was kind of like a B2C sale more right. than a B2B right. sale. Um, where I see a B2B sale is you kind of have to go through, you know, get your purchase order number and go yeah, through, yeah. you know, purchasing and, and get it all signed off and approved and all that sort of stuff. Um, those sort of clients, those bigger clients tend to be more LinkedIn focused or mm-hmm. trade show focused. Uh, the people who are the smaller clients tend to be more likely to be found cheaply on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, definitely you can use these tools to... Uh, get out to these sorts of people what i find is in a b2b market when you're dealing with these big clients the cost of acquisition can be so huge that it's cheaper for you to go direct to them um, than it is to run ads though right so on facebook you can do lead acquisition for you know 15 dollars a lead very mm-hmm. easily um, in linkedin uh, for various factors, including the fact that nobody actually logs into their LinkedIn profile, uh, the costs are like ten times that. So if you're paying $150 to a lead, or potentially even $1,000 for a lead, um, you kind of have to have your your marketing on point before you can actually make a make a profit out of this. I was just going to say, yeah, at that stage, um, the the concept's been tested enough to to know yeah that absolutely it's worth yeah. investing so these personal approaches on linkedin um if you were to do if you were to go after these some of these bigger clients um you just want to be as generous as possible you know this spammy copy paste hey i sell seo services um why don't you buy my stuff yeah. there's they get you know oh, 50 yeah. 100 of these messages per day they're just going to go delete you know, you're an asshole go away <laughs> delete um <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh, you need a way you need to be able to stand out and the easy way to stand out in those sort of interactions is to treat people human and to yeah. be just really generous mm-hmm. you go hey look i wanted to show you this this is something that i'm seeing in your industry um let me share this with you yeah, it's interesting because I, I get a decent amount of those messages as well and they all just get deleted and then I think, oh man, this must not work. But mm. then that's because it's like, oh, I'm in this industry trying to market to people as well. And I, so yeah, I think one of the important things when you're doing a lot of marketing like this is <clears throat> to think about how you're not the market and you're not the yeah. person on the other end, you yeah. know, making these emotional decisions. Yeah. Because sometimes I just get disenchanted, you know, when I think about <laughs> stuff like that. I'm like, as if that would ever work. I'd delete every one of those messages. I can see them coming 10,000 miles away. 
But if I were to send you a message that was a little bit different, I reckon I could cut through to you. I reckon if I said, "Hey Nick, um, been working with a couple of people recently in the uh, the software development space, and I've seen some really interesting stuff around uh, around their marketing. There's a couple of things that work really well in that space, and a couple of things that don't." I've got this little white paper here that um, where I've measured these things and I uh, show you these are the things that work and these are the things that don't. Would that be of interest? Can I have your permission to send this? It would be. It would be. If, yeah. if something like that came to me, maybe. But yeah, yeah. rather than interesting. I'm a marketing yeah, expert exactly. based yeah, yeah. in Melbourne, Australia. Why don't you buy my shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no like effort yeah, to exactly. get to know the person. Or re- enough research done to have yes. something absolutely to like mm. and uh, connect over. It's like, yeah. hey, here's your here's your problem, or here are all of your problems, and yeah. here's the solution. <laughs> yes, yeah. If only it was quite that simple, but yeah, yeah. Essentially, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that's that's starting to touch on this. What are what are some of the mistakes you yeah. see people making, um, or you see experts yeah, making okay. in their marketing? We've touched on a couple of them uh, already. So one of them that we chatted uh, chatted about very early on yeah. was uh, being an expert but selling yourself as a service provider, yep. uh, and doing the done for you because it's easier to sell versus the tip of the spear stuff and helping people to uh, you know help themselves. I suppose. Um, there's also the failure to niche. Uh, failure to niche is always going to damage your marketing because people won't know where to put you. They mm-hmm. won't. They won't know what sort of expert you are. I'm an expert at marketing. <laughs> um, great. Okay. That's that's a really broad field. Where do you fit here? Um, I'm an expert at trade show marketing. All right. I know exactly what I should be doing with yeah. you. I'm an expert at marketing experts. Um, so all right. Great. Well, I'm an expert. So help me market myself. What would you do? What would you? Um, so niching is always very good. Um, also, a lack of generosity is also um, something that I see a lot of people doing. Uh, they make their marketing ar- about themselves. Mm. So I am so so freaking good, uh, and you should buy my stuff. No, no, no. I really don't care how good you are. I'm self-interested. Mm-hmm. I only care about the problems that I'm facing, and I'm I'm facing some pretty serious problems here in my marketing. Um, so to that end, um, well, if you can solve those problems for me, I'll maybe care about who you are, where you're from, what you do. Yeah. Uh, but if you're not actually talking about those problems, you're not actually speaking my language. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Cool. All right, well, that uh, might wrap us up then for the, for the episode, the Munich special. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Thanks, thanks so much, Brent, for, um, for, for joining us on, on the podcast. And for <laughs> Explicitly for this. <laughs> yeah. Frost. No. Uh, very happy to. <laughs> <laughs> and to be in full attire as well. Wonderful. Yes. <laughs> I love these later hosen. It's going to be sad a sad know, day when I have to get out so of these. So impressive. <laughs> um, and uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. Thank you guys. See you next time.